my mother, uh, she was both the best thing in my life and the worst thing in my life. Um, she taught, she basically instilled in me the idea that I could do anything I wanted to do. I can remember her taking me to nothing down real estate seminars when I was 10 years old. Uh, I can remember her walking me through a bookstore and saying, if all these people could write a book, you could write a book. Um, but then on the other hand, she told me in very colorful language what a rotten human being I am. And Your success and growth all start in your mind. So get ready for another mind shift. Hello and welcome back to the show. But if you're just discovering me, my name is Joshua Kangley, and this show is all about positivity, inspiration, and motivation. We shine a light on true guiding lights, people out there doing amazing things right now. Yes, even in 2020, still rocking and rolling, still doing amazing things with their talents and their gifts and their amazing inspirational stories. So appreciative for them to be on my show. We have so many awesome guests lined up, like today's guest, who I am just so in awe of, and I can't believe he's going to be on the show today, but he is, and he really needs no introduction, but we'll get to him momentarily. Before we do, though, remember, if you're still wondering, who in the heck is Joshua Kangley? By the way, you can go to www.hellomynameisjosh.com. There you can learn more about me and also all my podcasts and shows are all archived for you there. And if you have any questions about me, the show, any guest that's been on the show, uh, like today's guest, or if you think you know someone who should be on the show, email me, josh at hellomynameisjosh.com. If you're liking and loving this content, please, I encourage you to like, share, subscribe. That way, this helps me keep the momentum going, keep the channel growing, and keep the conversation growing as well. Now to our next guest. Really needs no introduction, but this guest has spoken all over the world. He's a coach, mentor, entrepreneur, He's written several, several books. He's worked side by side with the likes of Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar. You might recognize their names. And you're also going to recognize this name when I introduce to you Chris Widener. We have Chris Widener on the show, and he talks with us about his experiences and what he's doing today. Let's go to that conversation with Chris Widener now. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, appreciate being able to be here. Absolutely. First and foremost, just a huge thank you. I'm honored and, and just blessed to have you on the show, Chris, for taking the time to, to come on and, and talk with our audience today. Absolutely happy to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, I mean, you have done so much and you know, for those of you, for those of us who may not know who you are, or, you know, some people are just discovering the show, can you just kind of give us an intro of who you are, Chris? Yeah, uh, I'll try and give you a brief overview. Had a crazy upbringing. My dad died when I was four. That turned into a downward spiral of 28 homes and 11 different schools. Shipped off to live with relatives twice, once in the fourth grade, once in the ninth grade. Started drugs in the fifth and sixth grade. Made most of my money growing up scalping Seahawks and Mariners tickets outside the Kingdom and betting the ponies at Longacre's Horse Track. Probably getting an idea here that my, my start was not a good one. Um, by the time I was in eighth grade, I was smoking opium and uh, 
my 10th grade year of school, I had 47 written referrals to the principal's office, got my life turned around eventually, uh, got out of high school. In fact, my mentor, Zig Ziglar, he always used to say that he was in the half of the class that made the top half possible. Well, I was in the 10th of the class that made the 90% possible. <laughs> I think I was 149th out of 172. Uh, but it got my life turned around. I had a lot of ambition, became a speaker and an author. I've written 22 books and published in 14 languages. I've traveled all over the world giving speeches on uh, primarily on a book that I wrote called The Art of Influence. Mm -hmm. um, 2,500 speeches all around the world to crowds as large as 25,000 people. And I've done some other few fun things along the way. I, uh, I ran for the U.S. Senate in 2010. Um, and uh, lots of lots of fun little things I've tried. I've built lots of businesses. I've I've made millions of dollars. I've lost millions of dollars. But uh, all the way along the way, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely, you know. And like you just mentioned, a whole bunch of stuff there. You know what I want to know? You're a true guiding light. I say this and I mean this. You're a true guiding light with with what you do. Your books, your events, your speaking, your businesses, your coaching, mentoring. What inspires you? Like, what is it that inspires you, Chris? Or or maybe what was it that ignited this passion to help others to do what you're doing? I think there's two things. Number one is um, my dad dying when I was a kid. I would became very aware very early that life ends and uh, that there's no promise about how long you're going to live. In fact, you can't determine how long you live, but you can determine how well you live. Mm. And, uh, and that's been a big motivating factor for me. The second one stems out of probably the weirdest human interaction I've ever had in my life. I was about 23 years old. I graduated from college. I was in my first job and I was at a conference and um, it was during a break and there were hundreds of people around and I, we were all just kind of standing around waiting for the next session to start or whatever. And I turned around and I looked and there were two women behind me. Um, it was a mother and a daughter. They were about 55 and 30. And the daughter looked at me and her eyes went huge like saucers. And her mother looked at her, looking at me, and she said, is that him? And the girl said, still looking at me with her eyes wide open, said, it's him. And I'm just weirded out by this whole thing. And she says, we're staying here for the conference and we're staying together. And in the middle of the night last night at about one or two in the morning, my daughter woke me up with this crystal clear dream of this person, this man she was going to meet. And that she was supposed to tell him something. And, uh, and I'm like, okay. And she said, apparently you're the man she saw in her dream. <laughs> and so she turns to her daughter and says, so tell him. And she said, I'm supposed to tell you, be a voice, not an echo. Wow. That happened in 1989 or 1990. Wow. So 30 something years ago. And apparently, I guess it's some sort of, and who knows if it really actually is true, but it's a quote that is often credited to Albert Einstein, but you know, everything gets credited to Albert Einstein or Abraham Lincoln. So, <laughs> um, so I don't know if he actually said it or not or what, but um, that has been a driving force of my, my career the whole time. You know, um, I don't want to just read a bunch of other people's stuff and then regurgitate it into my own form. In fact, you know, my, my best-selling books are usually, most of them have been short little fictional stories. Okay. And uh, very similar to a book, a lot of people, well, a lot of people say that it reminds them of um, 
um, The Greatest Salesman, Og Mandino, and some of those books. But a current book that a lot of people say my best-selling book, The Angel Inside, reminds them of is The Alchemist by Paul Coelho. And so for decades, I never read The Alchemist. I refused to read The Alchemist because I didn't want anybody to be able to say that I wrote my book so that it would be similar to The Alchemist. Yeah. Um, I eventually broke down after after selling my book into its after selling the angel inside into its 14th language. I figured, okay, I can probably read the alchemist. <laughs> You're saying, and I, and I did, and I and this is going to be funny for some of your your readers. I finally read it. And I just went, I don't get it. Like I just didn't get all the hubbubaloo. But I think it sold something like 35 million copies in you know 50 languages or something like that. Wow. But um, uh, yeah, I always wanted to be a voice and not an echo. That's amazing. You know, and you were hand selected by a couple legends that, you know, that we all know, Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar, you know, hand selected by them to work with them. Tell us about that experience working with them and maybe some takeaways that, that impacted you the most from that. Well, I was actually working for John Maxwell, uh, ghostwriting his nationally syndicated column in the early 2000s. And that's why Jim Rohn called and asked if I would ghostwrite. And he said, well, I don't want to ghostwrite. I'll co-write though. Uh, I wanted my name to start going on some stuff. So um, I uh, co-wrote the uh, Jim Rohn One Year Success Program, which is a one-year uh, weekly personal development program. And then out of that came the book, The Twelve Pillars, which is a short little fictional story that teaches the 12 pillars of success that we go through in our, in our um, uh, Jim Rohn One Year Program. At that point, I had a television show in Dallas, my own television show called Made for Success, and um, they asked, that network asked Zig Ziglar to do a TV show called True Performance. And he said he'd like to, but Zig was getting a little older. He was in the ballpark of 80 and kind of wanted a, a, somebody to co-host it and kind of carry, help carry the, you know, the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, and so they asked me to do it since I was down there anyway, you know, at the, at the studio and everything. And so for about a year and a half, I um, had a television show with Zig Ziglar, which was just fantastic. Wow. A great, great privilege. Absolutely. You know, and learning a little bit more about you, watching one of your keynotes, um, I learned, and you just kind of talked about it a little bit ago earlier, too, about your childhood. You know, I was similar in the, in the way that I was definitely headed down a wrong path. Yeah. Um, and that stuck out to me. Um, actually being shipped to family members' houses stuck. That happened to me as well. Mm -hmm. um, can you speak on some of that? Like, what, what do you think was some of the reasons happening then that was leading you down the wrong path? And then what was that mind shift that you, you, you got on the right path? You know, when did that happen? How did that happen? Yeah, sure. So um, I think, you know, that there's lots of things that make up a mixture, right? And I think my dad dying, my, I had one grandpa who left. I met him one time in my entire life. Uh, I had another grandpa who literally I can never remember anything other than him laying on the couch with oxygen in his in his nose. Um, my brother was 13 years older than me and moved away when I was four. And he married a girl who hated my mother. Awesome. So I rarely saw my older brother. My dad was dead. My uncles, I had one good uncle, the rest of them, you know, I actually had a couple, couple good uncles. I just never saw him. So I had no male role model growing yeah. up. And... Um, and so, you know, I just sort of got down the wrong direction with nobody to correct me. My mother, I'm convinced now that my mother had something called borderline personality disorder. Mm. And um, 
and how do you describe borderline personality disorder? Well, probably the best thing is, is the number one book that they ask people to read if they are in a relationship or a family with someone with borderline personality disorder. Uh, there's two books they have everybody read. One is called I'm Walk, Walking on Eggshells. That's mm-hmm. one. And the other is called I Hate You, Please Don't Leave Me. And, uh, and so that'll tell you everything you need to know about your mother, my mother, Uh, she was both the best thing in my life and the worst thing in my life. Um, She taught, she basically instilled in me the idea that I could do anything I wanted to do. I can remember her taking me to nothing down real estate seminars when I was 10 years old. Uh, I can remember her walking me through a bookstore and saying, if all these people could write a book, you could write a book. Um, but then on the other hand, she told me in very colorful language what a rotten human being I am. And, you know, and then of course, shipping a kid off, you know, uh, you expect, this is going to sound really bad, but you sort of expect dads to do that kind of thing because, mm. you know, dads, dads are the ones that typically leave their kids, you know, or they leave their families because they're not the nurturing aspect yes. in a lot of men. You don't expect a mom to abandon their kids. Yes. Um, like you just, you just, if a dad does it, you kind of go, well, that's too bad. That's sick. That's, that's not good. But it doesn't surprise you. Yeah. When a mom abandoned her kids, you kind of like, that's, that's not like, right. Yeah. You know? So I, got, I had a pretty uh, messed up upbringing from my, from my mother. Um, but she was perpetuating what had been done to her, which had been, you know, there's the old biblical uh, principle that the sins of the fathers pass on for thousands of generations. And it's, it's really just, it's nothing really mystical, is it? It's just if you yeah. beat a kid and that's all he knows is getting beat. Or if a, a little girl grows up being beat and then her husband beats her and she thinks, well, that's just what's supposed to happen. You know, these, these things perpetuate themselves unless someone finally breaks the cycle. Yes. Um, you know, for example, with my children, I was beaten with I was beaten within an inch of my life by anything long and flexible. Literally look around your house, look at for something long and flexible. And I was beaten with it. You know, the, the cord from the ironing the the iron the hot wheels tracks uh you know anything and everything belts you know whatever um, um pancake turners so uh, so i said in 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 our rules were um yes i believed in spanking but i said only a hand and only on the butt right so i had a very strong rule no hairbrushes no you know no no whacking people in the head you know i got yes. hit the head with a fork once you know it's lots of bad stuff and so you yes. got to change the you got to change the the upbringing alcoholism is something you know i'm an alcoholic because my dad was an alcoholic and his dad was an alcoholic and now my kids become that's the way people and i wasn't saying i'm an alcoholic i was saying that's what people say right yes. and so um what finally changed it for me was in a, in a couple different ways. I had, uh, I became a Christian. Okay. Um, the summer before my senior year of high school, uh, I had been invited by my best pot smoking buddy to come over to his house. And it was a Saturday night and Sunday morning, his mom barged through the door and she said, get up, we're going to Sunday school. Now you need to understand. I knew I had, ne- I, I'd never heard the term. I had no religious background. I had no religious upbringing. I literally knew nothing nothing about it. And so I was like, I've tried everything else. I'll try Sunday school. Well, again, long story short, the youth minister at this little Lutheran church in North Bend, Washington was a, um, uh, a good old boy from Montana. And that was perfect for me in two reasons. Number one, he had size 11 cowboy boots. 
And uh, if you know what I mean, uh, <laughs> I finally had a, an older man who'd put his boot in my ass and tell me, you're, you're really messing your life up. I, I can remember him saying, you are wildly talented. You are smart and a communicator and you are just throwing your life down the drain. So I needed, I needed a male role model to kick me in the butt. Uh, but the yeah. second was just sort of understanding God and, and knowing that there's a bigger, uh, there's a bigger force in life. And, and that's really what I needed. I needed to know that my life mattered, even though I'd been, you know, made aware, aware of how short life is, I'd never been made aware of how precious life is yes. or, or how valuable life is. And so coming to understand God and, 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 um, and that I, I got to the point where I, I finally found my purpose, which was to go and help people get through this thing that's tough called life. That's truly amazing. And you know, it's, it's really interesting you say that because I needed the same thing I found out in my life too, as a male role model who could, and it's always been the male role models in my life who, who were able to shape me and, 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 and make me a better person. So that's very interesting. You said that and also finding God too. So it's very interesting um, that you said that. And I kind of want to segue this into success in all your travels and all you've seen and done, and you worked with the best you've, you, you've, done so much. Um, what are some commonalities that you see that make people successful? Well, I think they have to be visionary. You know, um, success is somewhere down the road, right? We, we're not born successful. I mean, I suppose some people are born into the right family, but the vast majority of us aren't. And so we have to be visionary. We have to be ambitious. Uh, people who succeed are people who say, I want something more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're content at the same time, you know, the old Jim Rohn quote, they're, uh, be content with what you have while you work for what you want, but, um, you have to be ambitious. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are not very ambitious and, and that's okay. Um, not somebody asked me the other day on, on an interview about entrepreneurship. I said, not everybody can be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can own the store. <laughs> there has to be somebody to work in the store. Right. And, and that's totally fine. Um, but people who experience financial success, being an entrepreneur is one of the keys to, to doing that. I think uh, a few other things, um, they have to be able to be disciplined. Mm. Um, discipline rarely gets talked about because it's just so darn boring. Yeah. Like who wants to talk about discipline? Yeah. Um, I remember I was given a speech to, um, it was about, um, about 2,400 people and half of them were Amish and Mennonite farmers. Wow. And my topic was discipline and hard work. <laughs> about halfway through my speech, I'm thinking, these people know way more about discipline and hard work than I do. Like, I don't get up for five hours after these folks have already milked the cows, you know. Yeah. But um, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story. In the TV show, I interviewed a guy named John Connors. And John is now the managing partner of Ignition Partners. It's the number one venture capital firm in Washington state and one of the real advanced ones in technology in America today. John is the only guy to hold two C-level positions at Microsoft. He was the CFO of Microsoft and then he left and became the CIO of Microsoft. And um, I interviewed him on my television show and I asked, he's a farm boy from Montana. I mean, grew up on a farm. He's totally into buffalo conservation. He's into the rodeo. His big trip every year is December down to the rodeo in, in uh, Las Vegas, the world rodeo thing. And, I mean, this guy, and I said to him, I said, isn't it just funny to you? You're the CFO and then the CIO of the world's largest and most well-known technology company. And you were raised on a farm. Like, how does that translate? 
And then the conversation took a really cool turn. He said, Chris, do you know how many farm boys there are in the top 20 people at Microsoft? And I said, no. And he just started listing them one by one. There's like seven people in the top 20 people at Microsoft at the time wow. um, that had grown up on farms. Wow. And so, and so we talked about, well, what is it about farm? Well, it's discipline. It's hard work. It's problem solving, you know, all the things that you do growing up on a farm. Yeah. And, uh, and so I always put discipline near the top of the list. And then lastly, I would say integrity. You can't mm. be a business long time if you're cheating people. Yes. And so uh, integrity is paramount and uh, so important to build as the bedrock of our businesses and our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, thanks for sharing that. Is, so is there anything, Chris, that you haven't done yet that you want to achieve? Like with all you've done, is there something that you haven't yet achieved, but you want to? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Uh, I bought my dream house when I was 38. I'd driven by this house for 21 years and bought it. Um, you know, it's kind of funny as you get older, those accomplishments. There was an, an old book called, written by Bob Buford called Halftime. And the subtitle was Moving from Success to Significance. Oh. And once you get to, you know, your mid-50s, if you've had a lot of relative success, now you're kind of going, okay, you know, I don't know that there's anything else I really want to do or try or, or you know, whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of an interesting thing to, to think about. Um, I remember when I bought my dream house, um, 10 acres, half a mile of riverfront. My front gate was 500 feet long of brick pillars and wrought iron big double fencing, you know, 1800 bottle wine cellar, swimming pool, pool house. I mean, it was spectacular. I literally drove by it for 21 years. I used to stop at the front gates and look at it and say, I'm going to buy that house someday. I started when I was wow. 17. Well, two weeks after I got into it, my, my driveway was a circular driveway that you could put, I don't know, 75 cars on. It was a quarter mile around or something like that fifth of a mile around. And a couple weeks after buying that house, I was walking around the driveway. I had a drink in my hand and, and uh, it was a crisp fall day in Seattle, but not raining. So I took a walk. And as I was got to the closest part toward the gate and looking back at the house, this was a couple weeks after I bought this house, well into the seven figures home. And I remember looking at the house and thinking, now what? Now, now what? And that was my first real, that was my biggest thing I'd ever bought. You know, it was the biggest sort of stake in the ground to my success that I'd found and, yeah. and all this. And it was completely and totally unfulfilling. Wow. Uh, the only thing that I, that I loved about that was I got to raise my children in a beautiful home for a long period of time. So they didn't have to bounce around and move around and, you know, wonder yes. where we were coming and going and those kinds of things. But um, the older you get, I think the more important it is to you that you um, understand how you're going to make a difference, leave a legacy, which is, you know, the reason I'm coming out with my new book, uh, January 2021, called Lasting Impact, How to Create a Life and Business that Live Beyond You. And, um, you know, once we're gone, what's left? And uh, a lot of people have never really given that much thought. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect segue to your new book. Uh, tell us where can we find that and when is it coming out again? It's, it's going to launch on January 5th, but you can actually pre-order it right now on Amazon. Okay. You can go on there and then once January 5th happens, it'll just ship it to you. Um, but um, 
Yeah, I'm very excited about the book. It's not a fictional story book like I typically have done. I went nonfiction this time, which is why it took me 10 times as long to write the book. Um, but I'm very excited about it. a lot of great stories in there and, and some great points about how to, how to live your life and your business in such a way that it, it goes on and makes a difference and leaves a legacy. You know, I, I'm just so grateful for you being on the show today, Chris, and sharing your story and sharing with us uh, what you're doing in your new book, too. I'm going to leave you the last words. Is there anything else you wanted to say anything or anything else you want to say to us today? Yeah, I think one of the things I get quoted on most, you know, people will quote me on, uh, on a few things, but one of them is, is it's just as easy to think big as it is to think small. If you're going to think, you may as well think big. Um, stretch yourself, think a little bit bigger. If you have dreams about the house you want to buy, make it nicer. If you have dreams about the car you want to drive, make it nicer. You got dreams about, you know, uh, the, the amount of money you want to make, bump it up by 20%, you know, stretch yourself in mm. order to become a better person. Think bigger. There's enough people that think small, plenty of people thinking small. Uh, it's important yes. for some people to think big. And so I always tell people, if you're going to think, think big. It's just as easy to think big as it is to think small. Exactly. Well, thank you so much again, Chris. Thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate thank you. It. Wow. What a great conversation. I can't say it enough, Chris. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today on the show and sharing your story. It means a lot to me. You're a true guiding light, sir, and a true hero. Thank you so much. Now, thank you for watching, tuning in, listening to the show as well. Thank you so much for coming along this journey with me and keeping these conversations going. It is my true passion to keep shining a light on these positive stories, these positive messages of inspiration so that we can all learn from them and take them with us as we go about our own journeys in our lives. Thank you so much. It means a lot. If you haven't yet, please like, share, subscribe. This helps me keep the channel growing, keep the conversation going as well. Thank you so much. It means so much to me. Now, if you still are wondering at this point, who the heck is Joshua Kangley, please go over to www.hellomanyameisjosh.com. There you can learn more about me. And also all my podcasts and all my shows are archived for you there. Any questions at all about me, the show, any guest on the show, or maybe you think you know someone who should be on the show, email me, josh at hello, my name is josh.com. We have so many more guests to get through and so many stories to share with you. So please come along this journey with us as we go forward. I'm so excited, guys, to continue to bring more of these amazing people into the discussion. As always, I want to say thank you. My name is Joshua Kangley, and until next time, I'll talk to you later.